0: and worship him. Uh, this morning we're continuing our study on the book of James as we go uh, verse by verse through the entire book and we're here in James chapter 4 today. As we began, if you want to check out any of the other parts of the series and go to our website, all of them there for you to can, to see or share with your friends and family. Uh, we started in the beginning. It's an interesting thing to know that James is the brother of Jesus, that he grew up, he saw all the ins and outs of Jesus. Jesus couldn't hide anything from his brother James. And so when we hear from James, we're, this is an eyewitness. This is someone who knew Jesus very, very well. And yet, so much power comes through his writing that the Holy Spirit led him for us to read today. We began in the beginning with consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy. Whatever trials and tribulations, whatever things you're going through in your life, we're told to consider it pure joy. You see, the beauty of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection is he's taken away the sting of death and he's taken away the sting of sin. And therefore, whatever happens to us in this life is temporary and eternity has already been set. And so we're to consider it pure joy even when bad things happen because God can use those things for his glory. You know, your greatest testimony is the thing that God used that was probably the hardest thing in your life that he brought you to some victory in. And so, maybe you're going through that, maybe you've gone through it, whatever it is, we're called to consider it pure joy. And I believe that's a principle we can use today. Next, we're called to live what we learn. We learn things, the Holy Spirit reveals things through His Word, He teaches us things, and then we're to live that out. We don't want to be uh, spiritually bloated. We want to exercise what we learn. We want to use what we've been given. We want to live out what God teaches us through his word. And so we don't want to just learn it. We don't want to be smarter, just smarter Christians. We want to be more obedient. We want to be more active in our faith every time we learn something new from the Lord. Uh, Everyone matters. Everyone matters. Every person you've ever met was made in the image of God. Every person on this planet is made in the image of God, and we are to love them to the best of our ability and to encourage them and support them. And the greatest way to love any human being is to share the gospel with them and to point them to Christ. And so everyone matters. God doesn't have a hierarchy of people. We're all equal in his sight. We're all, he died. He rose again. He created. He is the authority on the matter, and he says that he has made us in his image, and we have value. Next, faith is more than knowledge. Faith is more than knowledge. We're told that Satan and the demons know probably more about God than we do. Faith is believing in that knowledge. Faith is following through in that knowledge. Faith is living out that knowledge. And so it's more important for us to be faithful in all that we do than, to, than other things, to use, to use our own abilities, our own ways. But to be faithful is what we've been called to do. And then we said, we've talked about loving God with your words have you loved God with your words this week? How have your words impacted the world around you? That words are so powerful and we're called as believers in Christ for our words to reflect our love for him. Then we're to love God with our thoughts. How have your thoughts been this week? Love God with your thoughts and submitting your thoughts to him and the importance of that. And today as we celebrate and we uh consider those that have graduated, they've gone through the challenges and tests of school, Uh, we want to look and say, how can we trust God with our future? Are you trusting God with your future? And so as we look at this, I want you to imagine back to when you were in high school, what did you think life was going to be like? Can you imagine, now some of you are younger, but for those of you who have had a little bit more life under your belts, can you imagine all the things that have happened to you since high school? Right. What did you think the future held? And so I came across this this past week. These are children. These are high school students from the 1960s. They were asked, what do they think the year 2000 is going to be like? And this is what they responded. All right. (laughs) Kind of pessimistic kids, right? (laughs) Not the happiest kids you're ever going to hear. Obviously, they were British. Uh, But I don't know if you heard, but many of them said they were word of bombs, the atomic bomb. This was Cold War era coming around. That This was the fear that there was no future. And, you know, we live in a time where sometimes it's, that was 60 years ago. 60 years ago where is the next 60 years headed and if you only have a view that all we have is this life and that it's temporary imagine the fear that grows within you of the future the fear of what will the future be like that somehow something horrible is going to happen and how how difficult is it to live a life where the future is so bleak and so dark and that's one of the things that we want to look at and recognize that in christ the future is great. The future is beautiful. The future is beyond any expectation that any of us can have. Now, it doesn't mean the physical earth's future is going to be great, but our eternity in heaven will be great. And so we want to look at that question of what does the future hold for our graduates as they begin their next steps in their lives? How should they plan for the future? How should they live in light of the future? And what are things they can do today to make sure they're on the right path Uh, The path that God has given them that he desires them to have. So before we look at God's word, let's precede it with prayer. If you pray with me, please. Father God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, Lord, that you are in control. And Lord, we know that um, you are holy and you are just. We ask that your will would be done here in this place, that your words would be declared. Uh, Lord, we ask that as you used your servant James, that his words that he recorded in your Holy Spirit led. uh, Lord, that, that leading us to this place where we can learn and grow and mature. Lord, I pray that you would protect our minds and protect our hearts and our souls from any kind of distraction, any temptation to focus on things that aren't truly important right now. And Lord, help us to focus in on you. And Lord, as we consider the future, we are excited. We look forward to your return. Uh, Lord, we know that you have have won the battle. You have you've defeated death and you've defeated sin. And so we have nothing to fear for the future, knowing that you're with us, that you love us and that, Lord, you are preparing a place for us that where you are, we may be also. And so we pray that you bless uh, the reading of your word and, Lord, help us to understand it as we look at it together. In Jesus name. Amen. As I say every week, I think it's important anytime you look at God's word to understand the context, try to learn as much as you can about the people, the place, and the the events of what's taking place because many of the things that were happening in this time are happening today. James was living in a time of uncertainty James was living in a time when uh, the Roman guard was wanting to overwhelm any new groups especially this new group called those of the way the new Christians the churches that were starting and so uh, one of the reasons as we read in James in the very beginning that James wrote this book is because all the Christians were scattered to different parts new parts they had to begin new lives and can you imagine today if something so horrific happened that our government was so uh, overbearing upon us that we all had to scatter and find new lives in new places? How scary that could be, how overwhelming that could be, how difficult that could be. And that is the world that James is living in. James is living in a place where uh, to be a follower of Christ at this time on this place on the earth was, was a dangerous thing. And so people were scattered, and James, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, is writing this to encourage those that are fearful about the future. Maybe you've come in, and you're fearful about the future. You see so many things happening on the news. You see so much happening in the world around us. And it causes anxiety and fear within your heart and within your spirit. Well, James is writing to a similar group who have similar uh, fears and similar concerns. And he's trying to say, look, here's what really matters. Keep your focus where it should be. Don't get off track on these things that aren't that important. Don't focus on what the world has to say about the future. Focus on what God has to say about the future. And so that's where we begin in James chapter 4 verse 13. He says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then you vanish you're a mist you appear for a little while and then you vanish i'm sure if we could sit down and have coffee together i could sit down and have a meal with you you would share with me how fast life has gone the older you get the faster life seems to go all of a sudden you don't just have kids you have grandkids you don't you're just out everything moves quickly the, your life seems like a blink it's this vanish it is coming gone and life moves quickly and things happen. And then we get up and we say, how did things get going so quickly? How did I get here? How are we in the year 2021? How did this come about? And James is saying life is a vapor. It is, it is very quick. And that connects us over to Hebrews 9.27. And it says in Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. I think that word appoint is very interesting. You have an appointment. I have an appointment. At the end of this mist, at the end of this very quick thing we call life, there's an appointment. And that appointment is judgment. And that judgment is, first, am I saved through grace because of what Christ has done, or, or have I resisted that grace and I am and condemned? And in that judgment, there's dividing of the wheat and the chaff, and, and we see that there's a division there. And then we're then told we're given uh, another judgment of what did we do with the lives that Christ gave us. And through that, we're able to give uh, crowns back to the Lord. And so this life that we have that is, is but a vapor, it is here and then it is over. And then at the end, we turn in the life that we've had. And now redeemed life, a life given to the Lord, is a life that has an eternity ahead of it. A life that is given to the Lord is set free from death and sin and hell. And then we're able to give our lives fully to the Lord. And so when we look at life, when we look at life, whether we're at the beginning, the middle, or the end, all of it matters. All of it matters. The world will tell you, get what you can while you can, because it only lasts a little time. And, you know, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you will die. And the Bible says the opposite. It says, listen, every second matters. Every second is an opportunity to invest in Christ and to give your life to him in everything that you do. And so when we look at this, he's saying the world is going to tell you, be driven by finances, be driven by success, be driven by pleasure. And James says, you don't even know what tomorrow brings think about it a year and a half ago did we know what life was going to be like the last year and a half i'm going to do this for a year and then i'm going to make this money and do this Uh uh-oh everything has changed we understand this probably more clearly now than we have in much of our history many people have believed things are just going to keep going the same way as they are and they'll just keep going and keep going and keep going But the truth of Scripture is life is a vapor, and then our true existence begins. Do you know one day you will graduate from this life? That's a reality. I had an interesting conversation with a a gentleman this week, and we were talking. I said, what do you think about life? What do you think about eternity? And you know what he said to me? He said, I don't like to think about that. I don't like to think about death, because I have no idea What's going to happen? You see, we're also told in Scripture, in the, in the book of John, that he has written us this, that we may know we have eternal life. You know how many people I've sat down and, and talked to, and they've said, well, I hope, and, and, and I'm thinking, and I'm better than other people, and I haven't done a lot of bad things, and, and a, a list of why they are hoping that it works out. When you hope, you're putting your faith in yourself. When you believe, you're putting your faith in the Lord. This day of judgment is not to be feared. Is it, it is to be prepared for, knowing that, that we've already been set free. And this morning, if you're fearful of the future, if you're fearful of judgment, if you're fearful of death, let me encourage you. You don't need to be. It has been set aside. It has been dealt with. It has been overcome in Christ. And so here we find, James is saying, don't look at the future and say, I'm going to do this, this, and this. And I think in our minds, that's how we work. We think, well, next year I'm going to do this, and then 10 years, hopefully I'll be able to do this. Um, And that's for many of us, we've already planned out our whole lives. And then there's other of us who say, I don't even care, whatever happens, happens, I'll just deal with it when it happens, right? Both of those ways are wrong. Both of those ways are self-centered. Both of those ways you're saying, my will be done on earth as it is anywhere else and so how does James respond to this how does James teach us to move forward with this idea of the future he says this instead you ought to say if the Lord wills we will live and do this or that as it is you boast in your arrogant schemes all such boasting is evil One of the greatest temptations in life is to believe that I can be a self-made man and I can make it and I did it on my own and I made it happen and take all the credit and take all of the fame and not recognize that every ounce of that was given to me by God, that God told my heart to beat. He told everything in my body to exist. He planted me on this earth at this time to these people in this place with this opportunity. I had nothing to do with any of that. I had choice day to day what I would do, and that had some gauge on where my future would be, but ultimately, God ordained when I would live, where I would live, who I would live around, what opportunities I would have. You see, the only thing you can guarantee about the future, you cannot guarantee things in this life, you cannot guarantee that things are going to work out the way you think they should in this life. Amen? Amen? We'd all agree on that. But you can guarantee the next life. You can guarantee what will happen in the next life by repenting and believing and giving your life to Christ. We try so hard to control this life. We try so hard to set the right path in this life so things will happen to us that make us happy. But we can't control of it and some of us are miserable and some of us are happy, but it's very temporary. It's a vapor And james is saying stop scheming stop trying to control it Stop saying your will and hand it over to the lord and say god your will be done If you want me to do this today, then I will do it This is the importance of preceding every day in prayer This is the importance of starting each day saying your will be done in my life in every area so that I will follow you, listen to you, know you, and share you with people in my life. James is making it so clear to us that there will be the temptation to live for ourselves, the temptation to go our own way, the temptation to do it on our own, and he's saying that's foolish, you have no idea what the future holds, but God is in control, and if you trust him through Christ, your future is set clear. And here's what he says in verse 17. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. It is sin for them. Now, this was a surprise for me growing up in the church because I didn't learn this till I got to seminary. I didn't learn that there was a principle of sin. There are two types of sin that we can commit. Now, sin is doing what you weren't created to do. You weren't created to lie. You weren't created to cheat. You weren't created to steal. All these things go against the glory of God. And when you do them, you're sinning. Anything done against God's glory and created order is sinning. But there's two ways we accomplish this. There's two ways we pursue this in our lives. There is the sin of omission. We don't do what we should do. We omit the thing that we're supposed to be doing. Do you know that that is an equal sin to the sin of commission? The things we do that we shouldn't do. And so sometimes we look at the world and say, oh, look at all those sinners. They're doing all that evil stuff. Okay, that's one type of sin. But you know, God looks at his church and says, when are you going to be obedient to me and do what I made you to do? You're omitting the thing I created you to do. Their hope is salvation. Their hope is the gospel. If you don't share the gospel, if you don't live the gospel, if your church is not leading the community to the gospel, they're omitting the job that he's given them, and that is sin. And so there is a sin of omission and there's a sin of commission. And the world is living in the commission area and the church, we struggle in the omission area. Because there's so much that God calls us to as a group of people to be loving and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with this world. And he wants us to see how important that is. He wants us to recognize that our, our lives matter, our words matter, our thoughts matter, and our actions matter. And so holiness and purity and caring about the world is is to not sin in an omitted way. But that every day, how do we achieve this then? How can we live a life where we're not falling into the sin of omission? It is listening to God, reading his word, getting around people that are fellow believers and saying, where's the Holy Spirit leading us? Where's the Holy Spirit leading us? Why are we collecting bottles? For these women that get pregnant out of wedlock that don't know if they want to have the baby or not. Because the Holy Spirit of God has led us as a church to care deeply about those young women and those babies. Why do we get involved with African Missions for Christ? Because we see videos of people who have no water and a well is dug and they have water. Because we see the clothes that we collect actually are handed out and every human gets it. Every person there gets the clothes and they, they wear the clothes and they use the clothes. Why do we open on Tuesdays and Thursdays and say, we have a food pantry here. We want to help you with your physical need. Because the Holy Spirit has led our church to that place and we do not want to omit the calling he's placed upon us. We don't want to live in the sin of omission when we're not doing what we've been created to do. If you find yourself stagnant, if you find yourself uh, bored in your Christian walk, it's probably because there's a sin of omission. You will never be bored. You will never be stagnant when you spend your energy and your calories on serving the Lord. You will never feel stagnant. But it's a a decision, a conscious decision we hold. And so we look at this idea and James has, has really, he's built it for us. He's made it very clear. He said, your life is short Make sure that in that life that you are listening to God so you can do his will. That's the message this morning. That's the message for any graduate. That's the message for wherever we are on our storyline. Is that our lives are short. Every day matters. Every moment matters. We gather like this to encourage each other not to forget this. We gather like this to spur us on to good works. We gather like this to energize ourselves and say, look, we cannot grow tired in doing good. We cannot grow weary in doing good. That is our purpose. And the greatest good we can do is share the gospel. And so we cannot lose sight of the clarity of what God has given us through his word. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know about atom bombs. I saw on the news yesterday, now we have missiles out in outer space that have more powerful than atomic bombs and they're aimed at the world and everybody's mad at each other. Yes, we can live in fear of what the world will do to itself or we can live in victory of what Christ is above all of that. There's nothing to fear in Christ. There's nothing to fear in his kingdom. There's nothing to fear when you're his child. So what does the future hold? We may not know completely what the future holds, but there's a big but. We know who holds the future completely. We don't know what the future holds completely, but we do know who holds the future completely. That's a belief. That's a faith. And that's a commitment that every one of us is called to make. Do I believe that Christ has my future established and set. Has my way already been set free because of what he did on Calvary? How do we apply this? I think this is a very important thing. If you're a graduate, I hope this is helpful for you. If you're the parent of a graduate, I would ask you to share this with them. It's in your bulletin. It's in the, uh, the, the sermon outline for today. I don't believe that God created you just for you. I don't think that God put you on this earth just so you could get saved. I believe that God put you on this earth so your kids, grandkids, neighbors, coworkers could hear the gospel through you. And I believe there are people that God is asking you to teach and to direct and to point in the right direction. I believe you're omitting your responsibility when you do not love your children, grandchildren, neighbors, and and co-workers enough to to point to Christ. This is not for guilt. This is for for all of us to recognize the opportunity that lies in front of us. The opportunity of, of being truly followers of Christ. And so here's what I would say to you. Here's one thing we can do that helps us to live out this truth, to be faithful with the vapor that we have, to be faithful and obedient to God. First, seek God's will in your day-to-day life. Seek God's will in your day-to-day life. How much of life do you let just happen to you? How much of life do you not ask God to help you in? How much of your life do you say, God, you stay over there. I got this taken care of. This is me. Like Sunday is you and maybe some other times are you. But the rest of the week I got. Do you really want to have the rest of the week? Do you really want to guide yourself? Do you really want to trust yourself? Do you really want to believe in yourself as the only hope you have? I don't. I don't want to believe just in me. Because I know what I can give me. I know who I am. I know my sin nature. I know my weakness. I want to ask God, listen, please help me. Don't let me fall into traps. Help me to be obedient. Help me to be faithful. Help me to see truth and to live truth. Help me to love the way you love. That is, a, that is an intentional thing we do, that you seek God. He says, if you seek me, you'll find me. Are you seeking him today? Do you seek him every day, asking him to guide you? Do you listen to godly people? Do you listen to godly people? Do you have people in your life, mentors, uh, encouragers, teachers, trainers, those that teach you? Do you listen to godly people? Do you follow him? This is so important. This is a mistake I've made throughout my life. Do you follow him and don't try to get him to follow you? Hey, I'm going to go down this career, God. I want you to bless it. God, I'm going to do this and I want you to bless it. God, I'm going to do this and I want you to bless it. That's going somewhere and telling God to follow you there. That's going somewhere and saying, God, I want you to follow me to this place and then I want you to follow me to this place and I want you to follow me to this place and I want you to to bless it. I would encourage you, young person, to say, God, you lead me. You lead me. Because you know what? So much of life's pain and struggle and hardship can be avoided when we just listen to God first. So many decisions in life, your relationships, your finances, the big decisions in life. You want God to lead you. You don't want to have him follow you. I think it's important that we make everything available, everything available to him. Have you made everything in your heart, mind and actions available to God? Have you said your will be done in everything that I am? And then finally, Will you trust him? Will you trust him? Will you place your trust in him? 1 John 5, 13, it says this, I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Underline no. You can know it as a certainty, as certain as you're alive. You can know this. Have you made that decision for Christ? The greatest event in your life is receiving the good news of Jesus Christ. The greatest event, it's not your wedding, it's not your uh, graduation. Those things are amazing and wonderful and powerful moments in your life. They're not as important as the moment you get saved. Have you had that moment in your life? Have you asked Jesus to be your Savior? Today can be that day for you. Today you can ask Christ to be your Savior. You can repent of your sin and you can live for him. If you do know him, what is he telling you right now? What is God saying to you? How is he speaking to your heart? You know, when we tune in to God, he speaks pretty clearly. When we tune in to him and say, God, show me your way. Help me to know. Help me to hear. When you say that out loud, he shows up and he talks to you and he reveals things to you. Are you willing to do that this morning? Are you willing to do that in your day-to-day life? So that's what we're going to do now. We're going to ask him as we pray to speak to us. And as we sing our closing song, if you want to ask Jesus to be the savior of your soul, that you're ready to repent and give him your life, We have those in the front that will pray with you. If you have a burden in your life and you sense God is calling you to something, he is saying something to you very clearly, and you want to follow through with that and you want to follow up with that, we want to pray with you here in the front. We want to invite you to take that next step, to follow Christ with all of your life, to submit to him in every way. And so now let's pray and let's listen to God. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you that your grace is enough. Thank you that our futures are set. Lord, I pray if there's someone here that's just very concerned about the world,